1: Free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive
0: free dessert. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. For the love of Pete, it's something you might say when your car gets damaged, but that won't get you the help you need for your vehicle. As someone named Jake, what you should be saying is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there for help filing your claim 24-7, whether it's on the phone, online, or on the award-winning State Farm mobile app, however you choose. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
2: Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's
3: calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write.
4: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors take down the Miami Heat 98-90 in Miami on Monday night. We dig into the biggest takeaways. We talk about the return of Chris Boucher and some interesting choices from Nick Nurse for his bench rotation. Plus, we got the good, the bad, and the hmm all coming up on today's episode. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, look, like, because when I shot I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of mess. So.
2: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, Every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours.
3: We're going to the free top of the Hail Mary 3 by OP. Get that cabbage out of here. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey.
4: What's going on? Welcome to episode number uh, oh god, uh, twelve sixty-seven of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, October the twenty-fifth. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of post touches my brand new Substack, you can go subscribe for free or as a paid subscriber wherever you get your Substacks, which is substack.com just search up post touches and you'll find me on there and you can go and support the newsletter that way you can also find me on twitter at woodley sean you can follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on all your favorite podcast apps for the low low price of course of on the house. I said that already. And you can go to YouTube and hit the big red subscribe button to support the show in video form each and every day as well. And it's very much appreciated when you do so. So thanks in advance. All right, on today's show, the Raptors moved to 2 and 2, taking down the Heat in grimy, nasty Eastern Conference fashion, I would say. Uh with their win on Monday night, a really fun game as far as, you know, the Look, nothing against the Heat is fun. It's all grimy and gross and nasty, but it's fun to sort of see the Raptors' formula on display, which it very much was in the fourth quarter, which I'm going to get to in my big takeaway in a sec. We'll also dig into Chris Boucher's very brief but effective return, just 11 minutes, five fouls, but 10 points, four or five shooting, some really good stuff from Boucher. And I kind of want to track out what the bench is going to look like here going forward as, you know, it's maybe not seeming exactly like we thought it would coming into the year and then of course the good the bad and the hmm the good thing I like the most the thing I liked the least and the thing that has me the most interested going forward we'll close the show out with that but let's begin with the big takeaway from last night's game and it really is that this was a classic Raptors grinded out win and they kind of followed the formula to a T in the fourth quarter 27 to 14 they outscore the heat in that final frame they go on a 27 to 9 run to close the game in the final nine plus minutes and this was just everything flowing at least on offense from pascal siakam which is kind of the way it goes with this team right and the way it's gone so far this year 42 minutes for him in this one I think i get the dude some rest. We'll get to that another time. I'm not super alarmist right now in the minutes, but he can't play 42 minutes every single night. I don't think he will, but man, he looked gassed by the end of this one. And it's because the Heat were throwing everything at him. We've seen Pascal just torch teams through the first three games, and it made a lot of sense that the Heat were very aggressive in their help. They sent two, three guys his way, and they were doing a really smart thing. I think Samson Folk pointed this out originally on Twitter, our pal from Raptors Republic in the uh, Raptors Reaction podcast, but he pointed out like, the Heat were changing up the way they were sending the help at Pascal to kind of throw him off balance. And it really seemed like they were throwing it super late. As he was almost gathering for his shots, he would kind of seem like he had a moment of, of opportunity to rise up for a shot. And then all of a sudden, there's two, three guys kind of converging on him. And it was almost too late in those situations for him to make the next read, which is, of course, what we know Siakam's been so bloody good at so far this season, is just making those reads and kind of knowing exactly where the next play is going once the defense reacts to what he's doing. And it was a tough slog, but Siakam grinded it out. He got to the free throw line eight times. He was seven of eight from the line, two straight good high volume and high accuracy free throw nights for him, which is really good to see. And, you know, with the way that the Raptors tend to sort of grind teams down over the course of a game, they were finally able to turn all that attention towards Siakam into some good looks in that fourth quarter. You had Gary Trent Jr., of course, hitting the big three. That was entirely created because Siakam drove on Kyle Lowry, touched paint, kicked to Fred, Fred to the corner for Trent. It's all because of the gravity and the effect that Siakam has on everything. You got an OG and an catch and shoot three in there, a couple other beautiful setups from Siakam. The one where he comes in from the right wing or the left wing sorry backs down keeps his dribble alive fires a dart across court to Gary Trent Jr like just really incredible playmaking from Pascal Siakam as we've seen all season long so far and it all flows from him you also got in this fourth quarter you know to kind of go in in fitting with the formula for the Raptors some incredible defense this was not a great defensive Game, I think, you know, sort of start to finish for the Raptors. I think they got lucky in the first half. The Heat only scored 43 first half points, but they missed a ton of very wide open looks from shooters who are typically going to make wide open looks. So I think they got a little bit lucky in the first half. But in the second half, they ratcheted up big time. And the guy I have to commend here is OG Ananobi, who had a really rough game offensively through the first three quarters. He wasn't really being asked to do anything on offense, he had one shot attempt through the first three quarters just 22 minutes through the first three as well. He ended up playing the entire fourth to get up to 34 minutes. uh, And we'll get into why he was so good in the fourth in a sec. But over the course of this game, it was bizarre. We talked on yesterday's show, no Scotty Barnes. They're going to need to have OG be an extra creator. And this is going to be a bit of a test of his burgeoning creation game, which of course has had its ups and downs so far this season. And instead of uh, OG heavy attack, we really didn't see much of him driving with the ball at all. It was very Fred Van Vliet forward, who was, I think, very good in this game. But we saw the limitations when he's asked to be so prominent in the creation and in the sort of cutting into the defense as the primary guy starting the action. He was finding himself in difficult spots from two-point range. In this game, he was just 2 of 10 from inside the arc, which is not ideal. He got to the line a bunch, which saved that he was 4 of 6 on his threes, which is great. But you saw in the fourth quarter again... The formula here is Fred Van Vliet off ball more often. There were some creation plays there working in concert with that two-man game with Pascal Siakam, but for the most part, he was working off ball and using his gravity as his big threat and keeping those swings kind of going around, and he was really, really effective, but we saw the limitations of him as a primary, even secondary guy in the first three quarters of this game. And of course they were able to flip that in the third, you get to OG again, really, really tough stuff. Wasn't really doing anything offensively in the first three quarters. And I tweeted it before the fourth, like the Raps ain't winning this game without some pretty special stuff from OG down the stretch. And lo and behold, the thing that we've come to count on, which is killer fourth quarter defense and big shot making from OG came through. He hit a big three. He was just one of three from the uh, on the night, and it was only two of four overall from the field in this game. But the defense he played, he had two steals. He blew up a couple of possessions. Uh, you know, Tyler Hero in particular, he was giving him all sorts of trouble, and Hero was – the best offensive player on the night, I think, for sure, for the Heat. You know, Butler had his night too, but he was just kind of feasting on Christian Coloco and Chris Boucher fouls more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I thought OG really kind of rounded into form in that fourth quarter. Plus 16 in the game makes a lot of sense. He was just dynamite defensively and continues to be one of the biggest clutch time weapons for the Raptors. It makes sense that the Raptors continue to be this clutch time monster of a team. So far this year, there are plus 15 and 13 clutch minutes. It's a net rating that's just astronomical, but it's such a small sample, it doesn't make sense to really share that. Either way, their fourth quarter numbers have been fantastic as well. They got a plus 28.7 net rating in four fourth quarters so far. I don't think it's a fluke that they're this good because the formula is really effective. It's Pascal Siakam, incredible offensive engine creating advantages because he is such a load for teams to deal with that it creates opportunities for people elsewhere. He's often playing with four or five very good players in these stretches of fourth quarters where they're going heavy on starters or pressures that you getting in there quite a bit so far to start the year as well. And it, it's just, it's working beautifully. You couple that with the defense that this Raptors team's capable of when they lock in. Yeah, there are stretches. There were stretches against the Heat last night where things got really off the rails. Uh, Saturday, obviously, a really rough first half defensively as well. But we kind of saw exactly why this team at its peak is so dangerous. And it's, it's why you kind of dream on this team, right? It's because the formula when everything's clicking is pretty difficult to overcome for anybody. And they continue to be a really damn good fourth quarter team with that formula. And it was great to see it all on display. Big shouts to precious. Achua, of course, 22 rebounds in this one massive that they weren't getting crushed on the offensive glass. You know, bam out of bio, very good crashing around there. Um, you know, the Jimmy Butler's always kind of skulking around the rim too, but really, really good job by precious cleaning up the glass, Gary Trent jr. With the shot making just a great, great performance. And the degree of difficulty was that much higher because there was no Scotty Barnes and the attention being paid to see Ockham was even higher than it typically would be. So really great stuff. Can't really complain at all about how they played that fourth quarter qualms, of course, with the first three quarters and the way the offense worked, but credit to the heat. They're a very good defensive team. You give Eric Spolstra two straight games to game plan for a team. He's going to figure something out. Same goes for the Raptors. They did a good job defending the heat in the second half. Uh, just a, a fun, nasty gauntlet of a game and nice that the Raptors were able to pull it out and move to two and two, on the year. In the, other, in the next segment, we're going to get into the bench conversation. Chris Boucher coming back, the, the performance from him, what I thought about that, and where the rotation should go from here. We saw no Thad Young last night, which was curious. We saw a little more Malachi Flynn, which I'm kind of into. We're going to talk about the bench and the various you know machinations in the way it could come together over the course of the next couple of weeks here as they wait for some health with Otto Porter Jr. and Scotty Barnes. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, I want to tell you better friends over at Linked. In who are the best place, the the number one spot where you should be going if you need to hire for your team fast and for free. You are, uh, it's really, really easy to go to LinkedIn jobs and set up a job posting and make it so it can work for you. You just add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. You always want to finish the year strong as well. This is the perfect time to get set up, to go into 2023 with a great team at your disposal. Go into LinkedIn jobs right now and find yourself the, the best place to deliver quality candidates and hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked NBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging into the Raptors' win over the Heat on Monday night. Uh, Again, lots to like from this one, including the return of one Chris Boucher, who played 12 minutes in this one, five personal fouls to go along with 10 points, four of five from the field, two of two from deep, both from that right corner. Uh, A really encouraging, if frustrating, Return for Chris Boucher on account of all the fouls. Um, him and Christian Coloco, Pascal as well. Uh, actually, Coloco got called for no fouls in this game, which I find hard to believe. Uh, Pascal got dinged for five, but it was uh, wait, I'm wrong, I'm reading the wrong stat. Yeah, it was Coloco and OG each got dinged for five fouls. Reading is hard as it turns out. Uh, and five personal fouls for Boucher here, too. They like they earned the foul disparity in this game for sure. They were jumping all over the place, getting out of position and Boucher I think probably just kind of getting used to the speed of the game a little bit he was way more reserved and you know I think in control as a defender to close last season so I can't imagine it's going to last all that long if he is still the same player he was last year which you know he showed plenty of flashes in this game of being that guy Um, you know I I think he'll work out just fine he'll rein in the aggression defensively and be very good I would assume he fits the scheme very nicely that was the whole deal with him last year is it became very apparent that Chris Boucher was perfect to play the Raptors scheme he learned it he got uncomfortable with it and he was instilled in all the principles and things worked out pretty darn well so not too alarmed by the personal fouls but they were frustrating because we finally got to see some effective bench play from the Raptors in this one and a little bit more Boucher in this game might have saved Pascal from having to play 42 or Gary Trent Jr. for having to play 42 minutes um instead you know still though the return of that Boucher Achua duo off the bench, really exciting. Achua doesn't get the start in this one. Christian Coloco does, which I thought was an interesting call. I understand, you know, the idea of playing Coloco alongside better players i feel like you know to put a young guy in a position where he's just there to kind of fill in the gaps between four guys who are going to do most of the heavy lifting on offense not a terrible call he looked a little bit sort of deer in headlights as far as like where to stand on offense at times and you know the the thing with a traditional center the reason the raptors haven't really played with one the last couple years is that a traditional center does kind of gum up the center of the floor which is where pascal siakam their best player operates at his best from. And so I think they got to figure out the sort of spacing, the interior spacing there a little bit. Um, but it was still nice to see Coloco get a little bit of run. He had some moments. He also had some not so good moments, getting, you know, schooled by Coloco and uh sorry, getting schooled by Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler and all that. He was getting a crash course of what it is to play NBA center defense against the Heat for sure. Um you know, I don't know if I'd go back to him honestly. I, I think I'd probably prefer, as I said yesterday, Thad Young, who did not play in this game, who I guess we can kind of go to next. Thad, you know, not playing, he hasn't been very good for, through the first three games. There's no denying that. The shot making hasn't been there. He seems a little bit disjointed. He's not connecting plays. He's just kind of there. <laughs> and you know, I understand the the compulsion to want to sit him for this game if you're Nick Nurse, he's not been very good. but I do think he would be better served as that starting five with this Raptors team in order to kind of carry over the vibes you get with Scotty Barnes in terms of, you know, just a little extra playmaking, a little ball handling, a little bit of size and switchability, you know, not to say Coloco isn't big because he's the biggest, but. I still think there's, you know, a lot of growing pains there on de- on defense for him and he's figuring it out and you know he'll get out of position sometimes a- and things like that. I think Thad Young will be a little bit more sturdy. He's got a lot of experience as a small ball 5, you know, dating back to his time with the Spurs and especially with the Bulls when he was at his very best. And so that's what I'd like to have seen, didn't see it and we got no Thad Young. That said, I think we'll probably see Thad Young going forward here because a couple of the bench pieces I was not terribly enthused by most notably uh Delano Banton again he was my bad in yesterday's show from the weekend that was and I just I wonder if maybe there's a little bit more seasoning that needs done with Delano Banton down in the G League just to give him a little bit more comfortability working in the half court of an offense like they should be designing the Raptors 905 scheme if Banton goes down there to just play half court offense we know he can run it down the other team's throat that's fine and dandy but he clearly struggles when things bog down. He doesn't have a ton of counters. He doesn't have really a ton of first moves to get himself a great advantage other than that great first step, but it doesn't carry him all the way to the rim all the time, and he's often just kind of passing out aimlessly and not really adding to the forward progression of the possession, if that makes sense. He gets it, and you just kind of, you know, the possession starts here, down to the bottom left of the axis. It goes on up, and then it hits you know, it's like a nice trajectory of moving towards a bucket or a shot attempt. It comes to Banton and it kind of flat lines. And then you have to kind of wait until he moves it off to somebody else when, you know, for the possession to kind of continue on its merry way. And I just think Thad Young would be a better insertion into the lineup than Delano Banton. I know the ball handling is nice, but it's just, he's not doing a whole lot with the ball handling. So how effective and nice is the ball handling? I think Thad Young is a more effective player with the ball in his hands to create for others. So I'd like to see him kind of work in a little bit more often. Ken Birch also, he looked fast and spry on defense for sure in this one, but I didn't love the offensive process from him. He hit one floater, you know, the sort of classic, you know, push shot from Ken Birch um, that you typically see, I think on an assist from Fred, but he also had like a really, really ugly failed post up against Gabe Vincent, which is something I'd never like to see again. Uh, And, you know, it's just, it's, tricky. This team has been very used to not playing with traditional centers. And so when you do throw traditional centers in there, and I understand against certain matchups, it's going to be necessary. And Bam bio might be one of those matchups, but it just didn't feel like the centers offered a ton to the sort of forward progress of the team in this game. And it was when Precious Achua came in where he was doing the center things like rebounding his ass off, but also able to stretch to the corners and offer some space, offer some, you know, transition cutting and things like that that's really when the Raptors took off in this one and I don't think it's a surprise they're not accustomed to playing with a traditional center and Birch and Coloco while I think they have their utility I, I don't know if they're kind of at the level right now to sort of match the high level we're seeing from Siakam Fred OG Trent as sort of the main four guys obviously Barnes as well makes it so the centers barely play at all but it's just uh yeah it wasn't my favorite orientation of the lineup last night with with birch coming off the bench no thad i thought we might you know, honestly even see Juancho Hernan gomez last night just because of the zone stuff the heat throws so many zones the raptors always have trouble breaking the zones it's even more troublesome when you don't have scotty barnes who's such a good player to operate from the middle of the zone you know siakam you know of course wasn't able to do that quite as often as as well because he's got the ball in his hands all the time and he's kind of initiating possessions so yeah just uh a bit of a weird Collection of bench lineups led to a whole sorts of all sorts of high-level minutes for the top players on the team as is kind of the the routine with this team. Um, and I'd like to see maybe get reoriented a little bit. The boucher foul trouble obviously is a big thing here. He's not gonna get five fouls in 12 minutes again. Hopefully he can get up to 24, 25 minutes and you know, kind of mix in and you know help limit the burden of the guys in the starting lineup and also compliment the starting lineup. We know that the Boucher at Chua duo has been excellent with Pascal Siakam. We saw some moments of that in this game. Not enough for my liking because of the fouls from Boucher. Um, but if we get this version to Chris Boucher and he can stay on the floor, that things look a little bit more promising, I think, for the bench. And then that leads me to Malachi Flynn, who, you know, I talked about Delano Banton. I, I kind of think Flynn should be playing ahead of Banton right now. It's not been a lot. We've only seen 12 minutes of him, 15 minutes of it, whatever it is over the last two games but he's been taking catch and shoot threes eagerly his defense has been pretty disruptive at the point of attack we know that's a thing he can do Um, he's gonna you know jump passing lanes whatnot I kind of think Flynn is maybe just a better player to throw out there than Banton right now especially as you wait for Otto Porter Jr. shooting to come into the lineup you need that extra space it's just so valuable especially for a team whose best player thrives when there's extra space and it just it seems to make sense to me for flynn to play over banton right now and i'd like to see it he he, he's again very small sample very small contributions but the stuff i have seen i've been pretty happy with so you know promising steps from the bench there were moments in this one obviously achua was incredible and played starters minutes in this one um and you get the, the the boucher return but still some kinks to work out there and boy oh boy i'll say it again Please come back, Otto Porter Jr. He's going to be so valuable to these in-between lineups, to piecing together these second units, just that extra shooting, that extra, uh, you know, the rebounding he offers as well from his position. I, I can't wait to see more Otto, or Otto Porter Jr. in the lineup. He's going to be such a, a salve, I think, to what we've seen. But for now... For me, if we're going like four guys I'd like to see off the bench, it's Boucher, Achua, Flynn, and Thad probably. Um, you know, it, Or if Coloco is going to move maybe back to the bench rotation, then maybe you put Thad in the starting five and bring Coloco off the bench when you need some rim protection. Um, but that's kind of the the group I'd go with for now if I'm Nick Nurse and uh, just hope you get your, your, your Scotty Barnes back to kind of help things soon. And then Otto Porter Jr. obviously going to be super important. As well, Uh, we're going to continue on here. Round of the show with the good, the bad, and the hmm as we leave off and look ahead towards a couple of games against the Sixers this week. Before we do that, though, just a reminder, you can go listen to Locked on Leafs every single day on your favorite podcast. apps. Mike DiStefano, Dave Morissuti doing a great job breaking down everything going on with the Leafs, who are never boring, are constantly in distress, and they do a great job making sense of the most nonsensical hockey team there is. Locked on Leafs for free on your favorite podcast apps. Go check them out.
0: All right, let's get to it. The good,
4: the bad, and the hmm to close out the show, our recurring segment here after Raptors games where we run through a thing I liked, a thing I did not like, and a thing that has me a little bit intrigued as we go forward here. So first, the good. I think it's really good that the Raptors are going through this hell gauntlet of very good teams to start the year. I know that sounds... Like, uh, you know, you're sitting there with all the indigestion of watching these close, nasty games come down to the wire. You're sitting there, um, you know, fretting over the minutes totals these guys are playing because these games are so close. But it's unquestionable that this stretch of early, tough basketball is going to be a valuable thing to get the season off to a good start. It's just... It's the same idea as, you know, when you are a a baseball player and you're in the on-deck circle, you put a big weight on your bat as you're swinging it around. It kind of helps you speed up your swing once you take the weight off and you go to the plate. We're getting through this eight-game stretch to start the year against all these difficult teams, seven, eight games, whatever it is. Once you're through that and you're playing the Spurs and the Thunder and the Pacers and some not very good teams over that following stretch – That's going to feel like taking the weight off the bat in the on-deck circle. It's just going to be like this weight off your shoulders, and you're going to be better for it if you're the Raptors. You're going to be more seasoned. You're going to have already kind of been schooled in – Clutch situa- situations. The fact that they've played thirteen clutch minutes over the course of the the first four games is a lot. I think they're near the top of the league in that, in terms of total clutch minutes played, right up there with Boston. If I I checked this morning, I'm pretty sure I'm correct in that. I've closed the tab, so my apologies if I'm slightly off on that. But the point stands: they've gotten a lot of reps in these tough situations, and it, they'll be better served for it coming through on the other side. I can't imagine that 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 this is a bad thing to be starting with all these teams that are just kind of making you have to fine-tune things really, really quickly. So that's my good. Um, I'm also very glad that we don't have to watch the Raptors play in Miami again. Uh, I find their court system is set up to be very ugly, uh, very uh, jarring to the eyeballs. And, of course, it's just like playing against a team uh, from the 80s a lot of the time. There's elbows, there's meanness, there's fights, there's tackles, all of that. Glad to be rid of the Miami Heat. 50% of the Heat games for the season done already. You got to love it. We're a week into the season. Nothing more delightful than having to see less of the Heat play the Raptors. My bad. Uh, this one is may- maybe going to you know piss people off because the guy it's about was really, really good down the stretch. Precious Achua, 22 rebounds in this game, a career high. He was great. Very, very instrumental in the Raptors winning. But there's some stuff that, that can be cleaned up in particular The bad I have is Precious's offensive execution. It just, at times, it's baffling, man. You get 22-foot pull-up J's from the middle of nowhere for no real particular reason. It's not like it's late in the clock or anything. It's just, yeah, I feel like taking this shot with my heel standing on the free-throw line, or on the three-point line. Just a a weird call that we saw in one instance last night from Precious. Um, You know, you see him. He's not my favorite Raptor to deal with. With zones, he doesn't do a great job at the nail. There are some times, you know, he'll flash to the middle and be able to blow by the center and just get to the bucket. He did that a few times last season, but in this game, Bam out of bio. He's not getting blown by by Precious Achua, and he was putting up some really bad looks, very tunnel-vision-y. Like, he kind of gets it at the nail, and it's like, well, I must shoot now. i got to turn around and put it up. when there's other options there. I'd much prefer Precious as a spacer or a cutter when they're up against the zone. You know, he can kind of creep the baseline and be sort of the outlet for the guy at the nail, perhaps, as opposed to being the guy flashing to the middle. Um, you know, so d- didn't love that. And it's just... I feel for Pascal Siakam sometimes because... You know, this is the thing that I think Kyle Lowry dealt with a lot, where it's like he sees the game just a few steps ahead of most other people. I think Pascal's kind of in that zone right now as well. I'll never say he's Kyle Lowry when it comes to his basketball vision and awareness, just because Kyle Lowry is a bloody genius savant of basketball. Uh, But Pascal's not far off. And the way that he, as we talked about yesterday, just kind of pulling the strings of all the players on the court at the same time and forcing defenses to sort of bow to his whims, it's startling when you see someone who just doesn't get it on the same level as Siakam, uh, you know, possession by possession. And there were a few times in this one, there was one situation, you get the close-up of Pascal uh, with the camera angle they had, and it kind of tells the story. There's one possession, I think it's the third or fourth quarter, he's trying to call Precious up for a screen. And he has to call them like one, two, three, four times. They're waiting to do like a double screen action with Fred screening as well. And they're just like, okay, please come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And it just took him forever. He's just not sharp with the sort of motion within the offense in the half court. And when you're a team that's challenged in the half court, that quick execution, that's sort of going where you need to go when it's needed to sort of keep things in, in flow. That's really important, and we haven't really seen a ton of that from Precious. He's been a little bit of this sort of strange cog in the offense that's kind of off doing its own thing. You're not really sure what it's attached to. Obviously, there are moments where it looks really great the catch and shoot threes, sometimes the cuts, the fast break leakouts. Where you know, last night we saw Precious hit him on a great cut, you know, he was kind of running full board down the sorry, Pascal hit him going full dunk board down the middle as a trailer and he hit him for the dunk. Like that stuff's great, but the sort of operation within the half court, the decision-making in the half court is not there just yet. And it's certainly the thing that we're going to have to sort of keep an eye on here because he's a very explosive and fun, excellent player, but offensively those extra steps uh, in terms of just like the, the, possession by possession attention to detail that stuff's really 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 important and uh looking forward to seeing how he can probably make some sort of meteoric rise in that department as well because that's just what precious achua does in season apparently uh we'll round it out here with my hmm the thing that i was mildly interested by last night it only happened a couple of times and it's for a guy who i've already said i think should play less than he did last night and that i don't think he should start and that's christian coloco making plays From the short roll he had a couple of instances last night and not just from the short roll but just from the middle of the floor having vision there was a play I think he in the first half first quarter he picked up an offensive rebound or there was like a loose ball that stumbled to him can't exactly remember the details of the play but either way he kind of had it down on the post and he whipped a beautiful pass up to Gary Trent Jr. on the right wing Uh, I think Trent missed it but still it was great vision for Coloco to see that his back was to Trent when he got the ball and then fourth quarter he gets the ball on the short roll fights for the pass it was kind of a like a high awkward pass he ends up bringing it down and then he fires it to the corner and finds Malachi Flynn for a three and that was just like oh huh. like if that vision from the middle of the floor is there for coloco like that only adds to the value he potentially can bring as a pick and roll partner for Fred Van vliet or Pascal Siakam or whomever is running a pick and roll because he can make the decisions in that 4 on 3 again Two passes, so I'm not getting too crazy, but I was intrigued because he did look like he had those reads pretty quickly and and fired it out pretty direct on the money passes right in the shooting pocket. Like, that's stuff to certainly watch and keep an eye on. This is what the hmm section is for. It's not for anything that's all that hard or conclusive, but certainly something to keep an eye on if Coloco is able to make plays from the middle of the floor that's going to give him an edge up I think on Ken Birch for example when it comes to minutes long term and it does potentially increase the, the odds that he can operate out there with Pascal Siakam with Fred Van Vliet, with the best players on the team it's exciting stuff so yeah Loving that, loving, it, loving the, the short roll passing, the, the couple instances we saw of it last night from Coloco. Hopefully, we can see a little bit more. And that is my hmm for the game, and that is your podcast for the day. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, really appreciate all your support, your comments, your ratings, your reviews, all that good stuff. On YouTube, you can go subscribe, hit the big red subscribe button. It's much appreciated when you go ahead and do that as well. We'll be back again tomorrow. Katie Heindel is going to pop by for Whatevs Wednesday, which is our new tradition here as we finally lock down a regular day for Katie to pop on the podcast. So you have that to look forward to. And, of course, we'll break down Raptors Sixers on Thursday's podcast as well. Hoping to work on a guest for Friday. Either way, lots of loaded stuff. We're into the regular season swing now, baby. It's awesome. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. Now go make your second listen of the day. Locked on NBA Game to Game. All the local experts from across the NBA channel putting in their 60-second thoughts on all the games that they watched over the night. And it's a lovely recap show for you, so go and check out Locked on NBA Game to Game. It's on the Locked on NBA podcast feed and on YouTube. With that, we'll round it out. We'll talk to you Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.